0: Talks on psychoanalysis shares topics published in the IPA Society Journals and Congress Debates Worldwide, brought to you in the voices of the original authors. We hope this window will allow you to experience the depth and breadth of psychoanalytic thought around the world. This episode was created by Gaetano Pellegrini and edited by Gaetano Pellegrini and Andy Cohen. Introduction recorded by Andy Cohen. In this episode, Udo Hock will present his paper on the notion of distortion in psychoanalysis, He's been working for many years on this notion that has been neglected by post-Freudian authors, the distortion or disfigurement in in German. In this podcast, he will show that the term has the status of a fundamental concept in Freud's work. It characterizes the method, the metapsychological concepts, as well as the technique of psychoanalysis, which is in the tradition of Freud. It is a guideline not only for our clinical work, but also for our thinking on the unconscious. After studies in Berlin and Paris, Udo Hock worked as a psychoanalyst in private practice in Berlin. He is member of the publications committee of the IPA, member of the scientific committee of the Foundation Jean Laplanche in Paris, translator and editor of the work of Jean Laplanche into German, co-editor of the German psychoanalytical journal Psychie, and lecturer at the International Psychoanalytical University of Berlin. He has written many articles about the classical themes of psychoanalysis as the concepts of drive, time, infantile sexuality, transference, repetition, cover memory, and on the work of Jean Laplanche. He is the author of the book Thinking the Unconscious, Repetition and Death Drive, published in German in 2012.
1: Distortion, in German, Entstellung, the fundamental concept of psychoanalysis, podcast from Udo Hock. Introduction. In the various functions I fulfill on a national but also on an international level, I come across numerous publications on psychoanalytic topics. Essentially, two directions can be distinguished. There are those works for which Freud's legacy is not the central reference. These are texts that are often written by colleagues who are particularly interested in the university academic discourse and are anchored in the university. Often they practice empirical psychoanalysis, a form of psychoanalytic research based on empirical surveys, especially interviews. And then there are those works that seek a stronger connection to Freud, but then go beyond Freud with the help of a post-Freudian author. Then the theory of this more contemporary author promises to lead out of the inadequacies, contradictions, gaps and aberrations of Freud's work. Decisive authors who have taken this path each in their own different ways are Klein, Lacan, Bion and Laplanche. To put it more simply, the followers of these schools come more from clinical psychoanalysis. That means they seek to process psychoanalytical practice from their own or Freud's clinical experience. The theories of these authors, with their adherence to Freud's fundamental vocabulary and conceptions, are hardly suitable for inclusion in the conventional scientific discourse. For these concepts, transference, drive, the unconscious, infantile sexuality and others, cannot be grasped by any experimental setting because they do not possess an observable entity. I would like to present a third way here, with a genuinely Freudian concept at its center, which post-Freudian theory has only marginally worked on. Distortion, in German, Entstellung, in French, Deformation. Third way, because although I have been inspired by post-Freudian works, in order to identify distortion as a fundamental concept of psychoanalysis, I naturally refer primarily to Freudian texts. Therefore, I will essentially compile, reproduce, and finally systematize what Freud wrote about distortion and Stellung. It should become clear how and why distortion is methodologically, metapsychologically, and technically pivotal in Freudian psychoanalysis, not a subordinate term that could just as well be dispensed with or replaced by another. Rather, it defines the object, the concepts and the method of psychoanalysis, provided these are understood in the tradition of Freud. I will propose now three parts one part has the title method, another one Metapsychology, and the third one technique of distortion and I begin with distortion as method. The decisive text for determining distortion as a methodical procedure is the interpretation of dreams. Freud introduced the term and concept as a collective description for the overall effects of dream work. After several hundred pages, he ultimately distinguishes four basic me- mechanisms of dream work which together encompass the dream distortion, the dream endstellung. Displacement, Verschiebung in German, Condensation, Verdichtung, Considerations of Representability, Rücksicht auf Darstellbarkeit, and Secondary Revision, Sekundäre Bearbeitung. Every manifest dream content has been formed by these taskmasters of the dream, which, according to Freud's conclusions drawn from dream interpretation, can also be found in the other constructions and formations of the unconscious. They are particularly the joke, the wits, the symptom and the slips of daily life. The psychoanalytic session itself can also be included. Due to time constraints, I can only briefly define the four mechanisms of dream work. First, displacement, verschiebung, essentially centers the dream differently. Important elements of the latent dream content appear only marginally in the manifest dream content, while inferior thoughts receive central value in the rememberable dream. For Freud, dream displacement is a decisive In my opinion, the decisive means engendering distortion, entstellung. It ensures for the most part that the dream content appears uncomprehensible. I would like to call it the encryptor of the dream par excellence. By the way, displacement, verschiebung, is one of the many meanings of the German word Entstellung, which means also moving something from its usual position. So, Lacan proposed to translation of Entstellung into French as déplacement, displacement. Now, condensation, Verdichtung, can be seen in the example of the dream element representing several dream thoughts. Therefore, the manifest dream content is usually much shorter than the extended dream. It is its condensate. The condensation can take place via the word with its plurality of meaning, via figurative objects, persons or things, also person or thing composites, and finally via word material, that means Similarities of words in general. See homophones. The distortion in condensation manifests in the the necessity of first having to disentangle the condensation before the different levels of meaning in the dream can be mined. Now, third mechanism considerations of representability in German, Rücksicht auf Darstellbarkeit. It's a hardly debated, even disputed term, especially in France, the significance of which is beyond question. In the context of the interpretation of dreams, it means quite precisely that the literal language of dream thought must be translated into the visual language of the dream, so as to become representable, darstellungsfähig, Freud. In France, the expression and also the translation, is it representability or figurability, is discussed particularly in the context of severe pathologies characterized by their lack of of representational capacity. The German words Darstellung and Entstellung are inextricably interwoven and refer to the same root word Stellung, that means position. Darstellung and Entstellung um, are comparable to the difference between figure Darstellung and disfigure, endstellung, or representation, Darstellung, and misrepresentation, Endstellung. Fourth mechanism of the dream work, the secondary revision, which Freud also calls considerations for comprehensibility, and which I would like to call. The distortion of the distortion. Herein, the distorting mechanisms of dream work are reinforced, dressing the dream in a cloak of logic, making it appear prima facie understandable. So, the dream is reworked, so to speak, until the manifest dream, come hell or high water, appear comprehensible. The implications of these four fundamental mechanisms of dream work for psychoanalytic theory and practice cannot be overestimated. I would like to emphasize a few points here regarding current trends in psychoanalysis. From the effect of displacement, that means the other-centeredness of the dream it can be deduced that there is no direct access to the unconscious material of the dream and the other formations of the unconscious. Every supposed interpretation code, every guideline for interpretation, whether it is the transference interpretation as in the case of Melanie Klein and her successes, or the word interpretation, that means the interpretation of the word material in the case of Lacan and his students, must fail its aim, the unconscious. There is no alternative path to following the associations of the dreamer so that the distortions in the formations of the unconscious can be traced. Second, the review of considerations for representability has led to numerous innovations in Germany, the so-called scenic understanding, scénisches Verstehen, in France the debate about the term figurability, figurabilité, which come, <clears throat> which comes from Botella, Botella, and internationally the question of non-representation or unrepresented states. See Levine and Scafone um, in the psychic apparatus. In the ensuing discussions, there is a focus on the problem of how silent symptoms in severe pathologies can be brought to speak at all, or how we can access manifest material in the course of the treatment. And finally, third I would like to point out the connection of secondary revision to the modern paradigm of narrativity. Secondary revision is comparable to the invention of a story that I tell myself and others to banish my fears and anxieties. Nevertheless, it has little in common with historical truth, as Freud puts it, That means the biographical events that have been engraved into future psychopathology. I come now to the second greater part of my lecture, in which I will discuss the dissemination of distortion in the basic concepts of psychoanalysis. Basic concepts of psychoanalysis, that means transference, drive, the unconscious and, let's say, the repetition compulsion. The title of this part is Terms of Distortion, Distortion of Terms. I will show that in these terms uh, the distortion is engraved in a certain way. I will choose two key concepts, transference and drive, and correlate them with counterparts which do not originate in psychoanalytic discourse. The first pair consists of transference, a specific term of psychoanalysis, and relationship, a popular term of everyday psychology. To show how transference is a distorted form of relationship, that is my thesis, I would like to refer to the first systematic passage in which Freud deals with transference. We find it on the last pages of his studies on hysteria in 1895. There he still calls it a false connection, falsche verknüpfung, or with a French term mesalliance. Originally, Misalliances, misalliances, were marriages between partners belonging to such different social classes that marriage was prohibited. When Freud speaks of misalliance in the context of transference, he means that patients associate unconscious sexual desires as kissing, having sex with, or even marrying, Originally intended for another person, now with the analyst. This trouvaille in Freud's text, the mésalliance, informs my entire conception of transference. The prefix me, indicates that the famous therapeutic alliance, that is, the therapeutic work alliance, was distorted and misrepresented by the impulses or fantasies arising from the analytical situation. Therefore, I would prefer not to understand the transference primarily as a form of bond or relationship or as an alliance, but rather as a false connection or misalliance that undermines the alliance, the alliance, even attacks it and can indeed lead to its dissolution. Freud himself repeatedly understood transference as a form of resistance to the work alliance, that means the alliance between analyst and patient. This is precisely what the term transference resistance, Übertragungswiderstand in German means. It is not resistance to transference, but resistance or even distortion through transference. In German, Entstellung durch Übertragung, A citation of Freud. We all know where the transference in the case of Dora led. She steps out of the alliance with Freud and acts out her negative transference leaving the treatment. So I think that beyond the conscious and as such an object-enable component of transference, we have always to do with its unconscious side, which disrupts the intersubjective interaction between psychoanalyst and patient, and in extreme cases, it because it's fed by drive forces of a different origin hardly compatible with bond, relationship, and alliance. My second pair of terms is drive versus instinct. Drive is a basic concept of psychoanalysis, as we all know, while instinct is primarily derived from ethology. As is well known, instinct was used by Strachey strategy in the Standard Edition making it particularly difficult for anglophone colleagues to discover the difference between the two terms Trieb und instinct drive and instinct from my perspective instinct is a distorted instinct uh, no sorry drive is a distorted instinct an instinct that has gone astray and lost its goal it's perverted In this, I rely heavily on the preliminary work of Jean Laplanche, who, in the very first chapter of his book, Life and Death in Psychoanalysis, from 1970, introduces a clear distinction between drive and instinct. Pulsion et instinct. There he calls the drive as it is presented in the first of the three Freudian essays on sexual theory, a lust instinct, for me the equivalent of what I call the distorted instinct. And further, with Laplange and his theory of general seduction, I would assert that the drive is a drive distorted by the other, It's a perverted instinct which is particularly evident in the manifestations of infantile sexuality. It knows neither hereditary preformed pathways nor a natural relationship to an object, but manifests itself through the distortion of the instinctive functional features, which would include For example, the somatic basis of the various libidinous phases. Sucking reflex in the oral phase is one of um, these somatic bases and the muscle control in the anal phase. Instinct belongs to the realm of self-preservation, whereas the drive belongs to human sexuality anchored in the infantile. The first scene of life to put this difference into concrete terms consists of sucking on the mother's breast. The sucking marks exactly the point where instinct and the sexual drive clearly separate. So long the baby sucks at the mother's breast or at one of her surrogates, it seems phenomenologically impossible to distinguish instinct from drive. It is evidently a process essential to both vitality and survival, without which the child would inevitably starve. Only when the child moves away from the mother's breast and turns to their own thumb, a second dimension becomes clearly visible that of sexual desire. Now it is no longer about self-preservation and milk, but about autoeroticism and satisfaction using their own body. Now it is about drive and no longer about instinct. Of course, this transformation cannot be explained without the intervention of the other, the sexual other, with their own repressed lust. Both examples, transference versus relationship and drive versus instinct, show how terms from everyday life or scientific discourse, namely instinct and relationship, are distorted on the field of psychoanalysis and thus mutate into specific Psycho- psychoanalytic terms. Instinct becomes drive, relationship becomes transference. The same applies, by the way, to the relationship between the conscious and the unconscious. What appears to the conscious as defacement or falsification, think on the slips of the tongue, turns out to be a form of expression of the unconscious, which remains hidden in regular speech and action. In this respect, the distortion, the Entstellung, is the modus vivendi between the consciousness and the unconscious. The distorted consciousness, that is the consciousness that has changed in appearance, is at the same time the unconscious that shows itself through these distortions. That is the unconscious that has become visible. And the unconscious can't become visible without Entstellung, without distortion. That's my thesis. I come now to the last point. Questions of technique around the term of distortion. Basically, the technique of psychoanalysis is essentially designed to take the distortions in the formation of the unconscious into account. Take, for example, the cover memory, the deck-erinnerung, not screen memory, cover memory, in which there is a layering of different biographical incidents which must be carefully disentangled in the course of patient work. Exactly these superimpositions, however, are indicated by the distortions of the memory material, as I have shown in detail elsewhere. In cover memory, you can find also displacement and condensation And you have to identify them, to understand, to have access to the understanding of the cover memory. Freud's key term for the technique that traces these distortions comes from the same family of words as the Entstellung. It's the German word Einstellung, that means position position but also setting. Together with Freud, I prefer it to the much more frequently used psychoanalytic attitude in German Haltung because with it, with the Einstellung, the reference to the psychic apparatus becomes much clearer. How must the psychic apparatus of the analyst be adjusted, configured? eingestellt in German so that the unconscious of the analysant can appear and be seen. The comparison with technical devices such as the camera or the telephone with which Freud compared the events in the psychoanalytic session and the setting cannot be overheard. The answer is of course provided by the basic rule of psychoanalysis namely free association on the part of the analysand, and free floating attention or suspended attention of the analyst. How the latter is specifically related to distortion is found in the entry suspended attention in the vocabulary of psychoanalysis of Jean Laplanche and Jean-Bertrand Pontalis. There, they say, the unconscious structures, as described by Freud, come to light via multiple distortions, Entstellungen, as is the case in that transvaluation of all psychical values, as a consequence of which the most insignificant details often turn out to, to be concealing very important unconscious thoughts. Thus, suspended attention is the only truly objective attitude in that it is suited to an essentially distorted object. You see, distortion and Einstellung is very close because um, what uh, Laplanche Pontalis described here is the Einstellung of the Analyst to discover the material of the unconscious. With these technical, conceptual and methodological guidelines around the concept of distortion and Stellung, it seems difficult to follow along certain path currently pursued in psychoanalysis. Too much emphasis is placed on a vocabulary that blurs rather than accentuates the specifics of psychoanalysis. Dialogue, relationship, empathy, to name only the most important tools which appear in the contemporary psychoanalysis. While they are indispensable to the description of what is going on between psychoanalyst and patient, they emphasize much more the psychotherapeutic elements of the psychoanalytic process. They don't identify the specificity of the psychoanalytic process. I come now to the end. With my podcast, I would like to make it clear that distortion is a neglected, even forgotten fundamental concept of analysis, important on many different levels. It is like psychoanalytic gold lying in the street. You only have to pick it up to be enriched. Quite unlikely, for example, analysis, anlehnung, primal fantasies, seduction, or even deferred action, nachträglichkeit in German, après coup, in French, concepts that Laplanche lifted from the death of Freud's work because they had been forgotten by Freud himself, distortion has remained a leitmotif for Freud throughout one, throughout one that in no way leads a shadowy existence in his work. It is all the more astonishing how rarely authors systematically refer to it even decades after Lacan's return to Freud. Thank you for your patience.